0: Women on the Rise is supported by The Riveter. The Riveter is a modern union for working women, offering content, community, and work and gathering spaces, all designed with a focus on women and work. The Riveter has been my work, community, and home for the last two years. Countless collaborations and friendships have come from my post-event chats and kitchen conversations with my fellow Riveters. Ask anyone at The Riveter Fremont, I like to hang out in the kitchen because there's chocolate there. Equity of opportunity should be a reality, not a promise. Visit theriveter.co to learn more. And by Armoire. Do you love variety but hate the clutter and expense of new clothes? That is totally me. So I use Armoire, a clothing rental service for today's boss lady. Armoire gives me access to designer clothes I can exchange on my schedule for a flat monthly fee. I get access to a guilt-free flow of new clothes without the hassle of shopping or dry cleaning. Best thing ever. Women on the Rise listeners can try Armoire today for $100 off your first month using code WOTR100. That's W-O-T-R-1-0-0. Visit armoire.style to get started and use that discount code. It helps the show when you do. There's even a link right in your podcast player in the episode notes for easy access.
1: I had always thought in my life that I think from a very young age that I was going to live a life a little unexpected. I never thought that I was going to have the quote-unquote traditional life that I think we as women oftentimes kind of this picture that we build in our head of what life looks like when we're 25 and 30 and 35.
0: Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive and lifestyle coach, Laura Dolch. And each week, I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy living, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and leadership, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your work and life. recapture your momentum and achieve your big dreams now. Hey, podcast listeners. Happy belated Valentine's Day. I know, I know. It's a Hallmark holiday, right? But I have to admit that I kind of love the pops of red and pink in the dead of winter. It's kind of cheerful, right? If you can look at it that way. It reminds me that spring isn't far off. And in Seattle daffodils and crocuses and robins start appearing right around Valentine's Day. So it always gives me a little bit of hope, even though I'm certain we will have another insanely cold few weeks or months even. Anyway, if you have been listening to this season, you won't be surprised to hear the favor I need to ask of you today. Please take a few minutes to share your thoughts about the podcast in my listener survey by visiting laradolchcom slash podcast survey. I know you're busy. I totally get it. And you might be thinking, oh, someone else is is doing that anyway. They're They're giving her plenty of feedback. But I'm here to tell you that is just not true. Only a small fraction of our hundreds of subscribers have filled out the survey so far. So your opinion really does matter to me. And I would so appreciate your feedback by the end of February, if at all possible, which is just about two weeks away. So if you could, please hit pause right now and fill out the survey. It really shouldn't take you more than five, maybe seven minutes. Uh, Most of the questions are multiple choice, I promise. So thank you so much for doing that. I do so appreciate your feedback. started this podcast in part because I know so many inspiring women and I wanted a place to share their stories because there's nothing more cathartic and healing than hearing another woman's story and thinking, yes, I have felt that way too. I thought it was just me. But somehow, in all of these, well, I don't know, two, just over two years that I've been recording this podcast, I overlooked my truly inspiring friend, Kendall Griffin. In my defense, I haven't seen or really spoken to Kendall in over 10 years, but I have kept tabs on her unfolding journey as an expat in Germany via Instagram and her blog. And one day, a couple weeks ago, as I considered who exemplified this season's theme of Blazing Your Own Trail, inspiration struck and I sent an email to Kendall with the subject line, we need to talk. And she graciously agreed to come on the podcast. Kendall Griffin was a successful New York City publicist when love struck and took her across the ocean to build a new life and career in Germany. Over her 10 years as an expat, Kendall approached the daunting task of reinventing career in life with determination and humor and learned to embrace the unexpected even when things felt tough. We talked about the biggest mistake Kendall made when moving her life overseas, what it was like to give up a successful and hard-won career in the New York fashion industry to start over, the mindset that helped Kendall move through the challenges of adjusting to a new life, and how Kendall's perspective on self-care changed when she moved from New York City to the German suburbs, and what she would tell her younger self about taking care of mind and body. This conversation was both inspiring and deeply personal for me. I didn't realize how much I missed Kendall and how similar our lives were in many ways until we reconnected for this interview. I know you will love her humor, vulnerability, and no-nonsense approach to just figuring it all out. I'm going to ask you what I asked you a minute ago before we started recording, which was how are you? And I should give my listeners some context that you and I have known each other for years, that we both lived in New York City around the same time, and that your younger sister is a sorority sister of mine from the University of Virginia and all the things, but I haven't talked to you in like, what were we, I don't know, it's been over 10 years. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, yeah, anyway. So with that context, I'm going to just circle back to what I asked you. How are you?
1: I'm great. I have to say I'm, I'm really good. 10 years now as an expat in Germany. Yeah, it's been great. You know, it's been a journey. I think, that, I think that anyone who has lived the expat life, that every aspect about it is definitely a journey. And it's definitely, for me, was a rocky road in the beginning. But 10 years later, I've, I've settled in and this is life now. And it's good. It's really good. Well, and you
0: were saying off tape that you finally feel like you have full ownership over your life. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Like what does that mean and and how did you get to that place?
1: Well, again, as I had mentioned to you, it was a struggle moving here in the sense that, you know, when you move to a country and you don't know the language. I came here with my then partner, now husband, and I felt wildly dependent on him. I felt like there was, and just to also put things into context, we live in Cologne, Germany, and we don't live in the city center. So for me, that was the first kind of like cultural shock because as you had mentioned, we had both lived in Manhattan and um, I'd lived in city center. So when we moved here, we moved outside of the city. I literally have cows across the street. So that was a little like, oh, okay, that's something new. And also living outside and, and, and living in kind of a small town, certainly when you go into the city, um, plenty of people are able to just speak English. So when I first came here, when I went into the city, it was okay, but I didn't live in the city. I lived outside. And so anytime I went anywhere, I was so wildly dependent on my husband to help navigate life for me. Yeah. And to be somebody who had spent decades of their life wildly independent, it was a shock for me. And it was really, really challenging to not be able to go to the post office without my husband. Husband like translating for me is just it was fairly debilitating, I have to say, but that was that was long ago, and now ten years into it, I speak the language so I'm by no means fluent, um, but I feel comfortable now, and for me, really kind of owning this life is feeling like I am able to walk through life here in Germany as an independent woman and it, it's a good it's a good feeling it's a great feeling actually
0: yeah, I'm sure the language barrier in particular would be. So hard. I mean, everyone fantasizes about living overseas and in a country where you speak the same language, sure, sure. but <laughs> <laughs> helps. But yeah, did you know German at all before no, you got there?
1: <laughs> not a single word. And listen, I got to tell you, I mean, honestly, shame on me. It was actually fairly quick though when our relationship was really fast and furious. And so there wasn't really a time period between between when we agreed, or actually I should say I invited myself to come to Germany with them, <laughs> between that time period. And when we actually came, it was probably, I don't know, eight months, nine months. But I should have at least taken the time to pick up a couple of words in, in German. And that was a really big mistake on my part because I went in really cold, really cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Take me back to that because I don't actually even know the full story. And I think it's interesting to anyone who's considering this, this kind of shift in their life. um, How did you make the decision to, to take the leap into, into this?
1: I'll be honest with you. There was never a a decision-making process involved. Um, I met, (laughs) I I met my, again, partner, now husband, and it was kind of a fast and furious love story. And for me, it was, I, I never, I never questioned the decision Of moving here. For me, it all seems like the natural progression of my life. Now, once I got here, I questioned how I was going to sustain my life here and what that looked like. So those were two very different things for me because it all, and still even in in the early stages when it was such a struggle, I at never point in time regretted that decision or thought, did I make the wrong decision? Because even before I left, I thought, well, God, what's the worst that can happen? you know? So we'll see. And it all worked out fabulously. But yeah, there was lots of stumbling blocks along the way, without a doubt.
0: Well, and just thinking about, yeah, questioning how you were going to sustain your life. Talk to me about sort of your career and your life prior to this and then what that process was like in terms of, yeah, figuring out how to build a life in a different country.
1: Yeah. So um, life in Manhattan, I was in Manhattan for 13 years and the drive for me was to work in the fashion industry. I wanted to work in the fashion industry since I was in high school and I basically also just kind of uh, figured out, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I moved up there. My sister, as you had mentioned, you guys are sorority sisters. She was living up there at the time. I didn't have a job. I was in my early thirties. All of my friends at the time were getting married, settling down, having kids. And most of them looked at me like I had lost my mind. They were like, but you're, you're, You're moving to Manhattan. You don't have a job. You are going to like live on your sister, you know, sleep on your sister's couch. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And I did, you know, I, I got really lucky. I kind of worked my way up through the industry. And my last stop was at a large scale PR firm. And I was working in fashion lifestyle in public relations. And it was great. I absolutely loved it. Worked my way up to a vice president. It was an amazing, amazing time. And listen, and, and and with that, you know, working in the fashion industry, it is like a full-blown kind of, yeah, there's a lot going on there. It's early mornings, late nights, you know, you work you know, 10, 11 hours in the office, and then there's one event after the other. And so I probably slept five hours, six hours a night, and then the whole process started all over again. And the fact that I actually didn't fall over into a dead coma is, I, I, I'm still kind of amazed by that.
0: We all that having lived in in New York, right? You're like, how do we
1: survive that? (laughs) I know. It's amazing. And I think it's regardless of what industry you work in. When you live in Manhattan, it is just a completely different process. I mean, you are just in it and owning every minute of it. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was amazing. And so When I decided that I was going to leave, I mean, listen, I was also at a crossroads, you know, I'd been there for 13 years. And I really, I was, my thinking was, how long is this sustainable, both kind of, you know, mentally, physically, at that stage, I was in my early 40s. And I thought, you know, what's the next stage in my life? What does that look like? Am I here until retirement. I don't know. But I was trying to figure out what that looked like for me. And honestly, me meeting my husband was all just kind of, I think this, this thing that felt like it was meant to be and what was supposed to happen in my life. And it all worked out amazingly well. But like I said, in the beginning, it was, it was really tough. So giving up my job, after I had worked so hard to get where I was, was challenging. It was really, really, really hard. And obviously, you know, family and friends and moving so far away from everybody, that was really, really tough. But again, I knew that this was the right decision for me, that I knew that this was the next stage, the next journey, my next path that I was meant to take. And so I think I looked at it, okay, well, this is perhaps an opportunity to reinvent yourself and what does that look like? And so over the course of the last 10 years, that's what I had basically been doing is just kind of reinventing what, and I had spent so much time defining myself by my career. This was an opportunity to define myself beyond that. And that's, what's been super exciting about this 10 year journey is that I realized that there is more to life than just working. (laughs)
0: totally well and I can totally relate to that feeling of yeah defining yourself by your job especially when you like me worked for global brands that people knew and like there was something about that that felt at least for me like that gave me this sense of self self self-worth and when I disconnected from that like to start my own business and do all these different things it was yeah it was hard it was really hard so talk to me about that reinvention for you like I know it's hard to sort of break it down looking back on it, but do you feel like there were certain, I'll call them practices that you had or things that you did that helped you move through that difficulty of letting go of the quote unquote old life and fully stepping into the new life?
1: I don't think it was really like a playbook that I kind of like drew for myself. I think it was just kind of, trying things out and seeing what fit. So, um, you know, first up, I was like, okay, I can't speak a word of German. So what could I possibly potentially do from a career perspective while I'm in this phase? And so what I did is I started teaching business English. And that was actually, that was a really good for me. I got Somebody opened a door for me and I had no background as a teacher whatsoever, but I, I knew how to speak English and Cologne is, is slowly growing into a, a very international city. And so there was definitely a need at a, a lot of large scale companies who were looking for uh, native English speakers to help their executives be able to work on the international market. So I did that for about a year and, and I was before that, I had started a journey lessons. I mean, it was actually one of the first things that that I had that I had done is started to learn German, and then teaching business English. I was like, you know, this is this is nice, but um, it's not really what I want to do until retirement. And so I started looking at what are those opportunities of potentially working for companies that might work on the international front where English is an advantage. And I... Did my research and I started looking around and I did, you know, started stumbling across a couple of opportunities. So I I, at first I was able to, I really wanted to stay in PR. That was really my passion. I love PR. I was really good at it. So I got lucky and I started working for a packaging firm who was looking for an international or European wide PR manager. The parent company was based in the States, so and they were they were a global organization, and it was great, and it was a great opportunity. Did I love? The job, no, but it was something that got me up and out and dressed and a part of society. And it was good. And it helped me get my first step in the door of the German market. And that's always, I think, for anyone who is an an expat, is just getting that first job on your CV in the country that you plan on living in. And so it was. It was a good thing. And since then, I kind of progressed. I've left that company. I started thinking about what other things within my PR career can I kind of reinvent, relook at, and turn those into opportunities for jobs. And so I started looking at, because I did a lot of writing as a, as a PR professional. And so I thought, okay, perhaps content development is the direction that I can go into. And that's basically where this journey has led me from a professional perspective, is that I've really, I love writing. Writing has been really exciting and fun for me, both on a personal and, and professional level. And that's really the direction that I have been going at at this stage and is really kind of content development on the international front. And that's basically where I am now. And also doing a little bit of marketing I literally have just kind of taken steps here and there and seeing kind of what fits. And it's worked.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love, I heard two things. Yes, trying out different things and seeing what fits in that sort of experimentation piece of it. I also heard that you spent some time focusing on, okay, what can I leverage here? Like, what about me and my experience can I leverage? And that kind of informed those experiments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was super beneficial for me to kind of do that breakdown. I mean, I think when you are changing careers or what I did, you know, moving to a new country and trying to figure out, you know, what can I do here? I think you need to be able to kind of pull those pieces apart. I knew when I moved here, I was like, Cologne is not a fashion capital. I'm not going to be able to be a fashion a PR maven here. It's not going to happen. So what can I do here? And how can I yeah, reinvent myself from a career perspective by focusing in on those assets that I have as a professional and reconfiguring them and, and making them fit within the German market?
0: Hey, it's Lara here. Want to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about something. It's a program I created for women just like you called Vibrant Health Playbook. If there's a gap between the you now and the you you dream about, you know, the confident, put together, vibrant version of you that you know is in there but maybe you've lost touch with, then I might be able to help. Vibrant Health Playbook is an eight-week coaching experience for women who need to prioritize feeling good so they can get the more they want out of career and life. I help them overcome their personal obstacles to eating better, exercising more, and managing time and stress. Then we create a full personalized plan. I call it the Vibrant Health Playbook for working towards a big personal goal. And by the way, we do this without ridiculous diets, unsustainable exercise regimens, or unattainable in a perfect world, I'd meditate for an hour every morning kinds of plans kind of hate what that stuff. And truthfully, 95% of the quote wellness industry does to women. That's exactly why I created Vibrant Health Playbook. If that sounds like something you could use, visit LaraDolch.com slash Vibrant Health Playbook to learn more and to read stories of other women who've completed the program. And if you decide to sign up in February, I'll give you $100 off the price just for telling me that you heard about it on the podcast. That URL again is laradolchcom slash Vibrant Health Playbook. You can message me right from that page to tell me you're interested and that you heard about Vibrant Health Playbook on the podcast. Now let's get back to the interview. What about expectations in terms of when you were considering doing this or even now that you're in it? What kinds of expectations, whether they were yours or expectations of people in your life, got in the way or get in the way of you embracing this, this path?
1: I think for me, I, I'll i be honest with you, and, and I'm super embarrassed to say this, is that when I made the decision that I was coming to Germany, I kind of approached it initially before I got here with almost a little bit of American arrogance, because uh-huh. I thought, you know, I'm American, I'm a native English speaker, I've got all this experience. And then I got here and no one was impressed. And I
0: was just, <laughs> You're like, hello, I'm yeah. American and I lived in New
1: York City. What's wrong yeah, with you like, Who cares? Because I got to tell you, most Europeans speak a second language and a right. third and a fourth. <laughs> so my English was hardly impressive to anyone. <laughs> so that, that was my expectation that, oh yeah, I'm just going to fall into this and I'll snap my fingers and figure something out quickly. Didn't happen. For me, it was just like a big old wake up call that, yeah, life is life is just, it just wasn't that easy and it shouldn't have been. And I shouldn't have come in here thinking because of my background that I was just going to slide into something amazing and gorgeous. yeah. And so it was a humbling moment for me and I needed it and I'm glad I had it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. The New Yorker gets knocked down a few notches. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had a few of those experiences myself. Totally relate. What about expectations of other people like in your family? It's sort of what I'm thinking of generally because when people make big moves like that, I mean, I feel like it's yeah, it's a big deal. Like family, friends, like did anything come up around that that created resistance for you?
1: You know what was interesting? I actually, I was just absolutely terrified to tell my parents, despite the fact that I was like a 42 year old woman at the time. I was just like, oh my God, what are my parents going to think? And I remember this conversation literally like it was yesterday, talking to my mother. Volker and I had just gotten back from a trip and he was going through immigration because we were coming back to New York and he was involved in, in all of that. And I, of course, as American kind of sailed through and I was standing at the baggage claim and we were planning on leaving in like a couple of months and I still hadn't told my parents <laughs> and so I'm standing at baggage claim and I decided that, that was the time to tell my mother that I was moving to to Germany so I call her on the phone and chit-chatting and telling her about my trip and everything and I was just like mom you know I have uh, I just wanted to tell you you know Volker is is going back to Germany. And my mother was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry to hear that. I know how much you like him. And then the next sentence was, I'm going with him. And it was just dead silence on the phone. I was like, hello, hello. And my mother was like, what? I'm like, yeah. So that was it wasn't as dramatic as I thought it was going to be. But the last thing my mother said to me after we hung up is like, you're going to have to tell your father, I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> like, how okay. did that go? <laughs> you know what? Again, I thought he was going to lose his mind. Like, what are you doing? Because my father, the one thing that he, you know, I have two sisters. And the one thing that he had always instilled in all of us is never find yourself in a position where you have to rely on anyone financially. Uh Oh, you take care of yourself. So that's all I could think of because obviously I knew once I moved to Germany that I was going to be 100%, not only financially um, dependent on, on Volker, but I was going to be dependent on him for everything, emotionally, mentally, all of it. And and so I thought he was just going to lose his mind when I told him. And he was just super calm and really okay with it. And we chatted and he's like, okay, okay. And then we hung up and he called me back and he asked me more, a couple more questions. But he was then just fine. And it was so like weird to me because I just expected him to just kind of, yeah, like I said, lose his mind. But he was completely okay with it, as were most of my friends and other family members. I think, I mean, a part of me thinks that I had always thought in my life that I think from a very young age that I was going to live a life a little unexpected. I never thought that I was going to have the quote-unquote traditional life that I think we as women oftentimes kind of you know, this picture that we build in our head of what life looks like, you know, when we're 25 and 30 and 35 and all that kind of stuff. And I thought for me that picking up at my early 30s and and moving to Manhattan and like, you know, doing that whole kind of like Mary Tyler Moore thing um, (laughs) was going to, like, that was it. That that was kind of like my, that my moment and that unexpected life. And then as the, I guess, For want of a better word, as the shine started wearing off of Manhattan a little bit, I was like, was that it? Was there supposed to? And I just, and I started kind of questioning it. And that's when, you know, my German kind of swept in and I was like, oh, this, oh, this is the next journey. Okay. I felt like everything that I have done in my life has led me to where I am right now. And it was all kind of kismet and kind of supposed to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, and I know this about you, and I think my listeners are are learning this about you, is that it seems like when you're presented with a fork in the road, even if it seems scary, you seem to have an ability to embrace that. How do you think you do that? What is it that allows you to do that?
1: That's an interesting question. I'll be honest with you. I think it what I had said earlier, it all goes back to my what's the worst that can happen? Like I was like, the world's not gonna fall apart if it doesn't work out when I move to Manhattan. I thought, like, what's the worst? I don't get a job. I have to live on my sister's couch longer than I expected. Worst case scenario, I move back to DC and find something else. And I thought the same thing when I moved here, although I never thought it wasn't gonna work out. I just, I knew in my gut, this was going to work. But I think that is the best approach that I've always taken in life is like, yeah, that. What's the worst that can happen? The world's not going to end.
0: Totally, totally. Yeah, I think that's a, a great perspective, and it's that it goes back to that sort of experimentation thing, like figuring it out. You figure, you experiment, see what works, and <laughs>
1: if it doesn't work, exactly. you try something keep, else. Yeah, yeah. Keep it moving forward. Honestly, yeah. Learn from the missteps that you made along the way, but keep it moving forward. And yes, there were plenty of times in in this journey where I made some stumbles where I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to pick myself up off the floor. from this," <laughs> But I'm going to do it. And I did. And listen, I'm, you know, like I said, it's, it's been 10 years in, and I expect that there's going to be more stumbles along the way. But I know again that, you know, it just, just keep it moving forward. Keep it moving forward. Talk to me
0: a little bit. It makes me think about self-care and the role of self-care in those kinds of situations. And, you know, when we do feel like we're on the floor, we have to pick ourselves up. (laughs) How how do you define self-care for yourself at this point in your life?
1: I have to say that the term self-care, I really only kind of seriously embraced it when I moved here because the idea of taking care of myself, I just, I never even, I did not take care of myself at all when I lived in New York. It was just focusing on everything but what was going on with me. It was everything else going on around me. um, But I never really thought about kind of like taking care of me. I mean, sure, I have always been super sporty. So I was, you know, I always was working out. So I was running, I was going to the gym, I was doing Krav Maga, I was boxing, you know, I was always doing something. And so for me, if I was just kind of like doing something that like just gave my body like a kind of brutal workout, that for me was self-care. Everything else was just like, okay, whatever, moving on. But as I've I've been here in Germany, I've been able to, first of all, I've been able to slow my life down. And that has given me the opportunity to really kind of reflect on what that means to take care of myself. I mean, listen—if you you're go- you're no good to anyone else if you're not first and foremost taking care of yourself. And I realized that I was just a little bit of a wreck. I mean, I was I wasn't eating well. I, I never drank a glass of water ever. <laughs> it was like pizza and Prosecco. That was my diet in New York. And I just never found time for me outside of, like I said, you know, the hour and the day that, that I would do sports. And so now that I have this lifestyle that has allowed me to really slow things down and really like reflect on kind of spending time, like sitting on the couch and like, reading a book, going on a walk in the woods with our dog, just sitting, doing nothing. And I've recently discovered yoga. And I absolutely, I've been doing it for a year. And I have to tell you, it has been such a wonderful addition to my life. And I never, ever thought I would ever love yoga. I always thought I had tons of friends who are doing yoga. I was like, please, please, please. (laughs) I love it. And then um, the, the local gym that I go to—they just started introducing yoga. I was like, you know what? Let me just let me just check this out. And I've become completely addicted. So I go to yoga twice a week at the gym, and then now I practice it like every day at home. And I just—I don't want to be like so dramatic. Oh, it's changed my life, but it has been an enhancement to my life without a doubt. And I really, really do love it.
0: Yeah, I'm curious what you might tell your younger self about it now that you've had this experience of of bringing self care into your life what you would tell your younger self about that looking back on living in new york
1: you know what i would tell myself stop really stop you have to take time For yourself, I would just impress that upon myself dramatically. That I was, I mean, there were so many times I remember sitting on the subway going home or being at an event at 10 o'clock at night where I was just like, oh my God, I'm gonna fall over right now. I'm so tired. And knowing that I was going to get up at 5 o'clock the next morning to go running for an hour on the West Side Highway honestly, I would just tell myself, you have to stop. You have to slow it down. You have to take more time for yourself. You do not have to go to an event every single night. You do not have to drink a bottle of Prosecco every other day. Like you just, you don't have to do those things. You just have to listen to your body. And when your body tells you I'm tired and it's only 10 o'clock at night, go to bed.
0: Yeah. Do you ever think about what might have happened if you'd stayed on that trajectory? I mean, obviously, you, it was interrupted because of this sort of shift in your life. But I mean, obviously, we can't speculate. But where do you think that would have led you over time?
1: Honestly, Laura, I really think that I would have eventually started having like uh, medical issues. I really do. I mean, despite the fact, like I said, that <laughs> I was so sporty, I didn't, I was, I ate horribly. And I was fortunate because I was younger. And I think the only thing that kept me from, again, falling over is that I had always lived a very kind of like sporty lifestyle. But I think, you know, as you get older, I'm now 53 years old. I mean, I can't imagine when I think back of what I was doing 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I can't imagine that that would have been self-sustaining at 53 now. Like it just, it just doesn't even make sense that I could have Continued on without having some kind of like serious repercussions, whether that be physical or maybe even mental or emotional, who knows? Um, but it would have caught up, it would have absolutely caught up with me without a doubt.
0: Yeah. I'm curious as we're wrapping up, what you might tell any women who are listening who are considering a big shift in their life like this? What's your sort of top piece of advice for how to think?
1: You know what? I would say do your homework. I mean, that's one thing that I really failed to do that would have made my my journey to where I am now so much easier is if I had just kind of taken the time just to kind of learn a little bit of German, learn about the culture, learn a bit, uh, you know, more about the city. Look into what potential job opportunities there might be for expats. I went in blind and I went in completely cold. Again, kind of going back to my kind of arrogant American kind of philosophy. I should have just taken the time just to just like, Yeah, do the research. Don't go in cold. Have an understanding of what you're potentially getting into. And listen, once you get here, of course, everything's going to be a curveball and you're going to be like, oh, I didn't expect that. And oh my God, what in God's name is that? But if you at least have this foundation that you've built for yourself in going into whether that be a new career or moving to a new city or a new country, at least you have a little bit of a foundation that you feel like you can kind of hang on to and that you're not just going into the situation where you're like, your eyes are just like wide and you're like, oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) I love that. Where can people
0: connect with you online?
1: They can connect to me on Instagram and they can also connect to me on my blog, harlemhousefrau.com. I started that blog, I haven't updated it in quite a bit of time, but for me, it was so incredibly cathartic when I started that blog because, I mean... There were so many funny things from a cultural perspective that I encountered, especially when I first moved here, and I still do, that for me, I wanted to really kind of keep track of that. It's almost like, a, I guess, an online diary for me about all of the kind of experiences that I had that I didn't want to forget, Um, and for me, putting those into a blog – was the best way to kind of do that. And I was hoping that if any expats might have uh, stumbled upon it, that um, we could have shared a laugh together. And I certainly think even if you're not an expat, there's a lot of uh, kind of fun and funny stories that will potentially give you a, a chuckle on on what it is uh, to live an expat life.
0: For sure. Yeah, no, I have really enjoyed reading it. Thank you so much. This was so fun.
1: Oh, thank you, Laura. It was so incredibly amazing to catch up with you. Thank you so much for including in this. Like I said earlier, I am honored and humbled to be included within these great group of women um, that you have included in your podcast. So thank you.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit laradolchcom slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit laradolchcom slash podcast. If you'd like to support the work we do on the podcast, leave a rating or review wherever you listen, subscribe to the show, share episodes on social media or with your friends and use the discount codes from our sponsors. It's all a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from the team at Lens Group Media.